This morning I'm going to bring a message that's, I suppose, as close to the purpose of a pastor's calling as any message that could be brought. It touches on the core of what a preacher's purpose for standing behind the pulpit is. In Psalms 119.49, the Word of God says, Thou hast caused me to hope. Thou hast caused me to hope. And that is the desire, that is the goal of myself when I stand behind the pulpit and I begin to bring a message. My goal and desire is that you would begin to have hope. That God would take His Word and would cause you to hope. That there, there is hope in God and that God can bring a change in your situation. That God can help you heal that uh, broken relationship. That there is hope for you and your life. And that God has a plan and a purpose for you. And that although you've faltered and failed in the past and sin has got the better of you in bygone days, that it doesn't have to continue to be that way because there's hope. There's hope in God that things can be different tomorrow. The, the Tomorrow's pages aren't dirty yet. Nothing's been marred yet. What, ha- what has happened in the future hasn't happened yet. And so there can be a change and we can do it in and through the power of God. The goal that any preacher should have in the back of his mind is that God's people would have a renewed hope in Him. We see in Proverbs chapter 13 in verse number 12, He said, Hope deferred, make it the heart sick. Hope deferred, make it the heart sick. But when desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Would you bow your head and Pray with me as we open this message this morning on hope, the hope that we can have in God. Lord, we come to you right now and I submit myself to you and ask that you would use me in these next few minutes to take the word of God and to give hope to your people. That God, the things that we're facing and the struggles that we've dealt with and the challenges that we're in the midst of and Lord, even the one here this morning who is lost and on their way to hell right now can know that they have hope of heaven because of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, you would use this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Napoleon said that a good leader is a dealer in hope. A dealer in hope. Well... I don't know how wise it is to be quoting Napoleon. (laughs) But here's what I can tell you is that a preacher of the Word of God is a dealer in hope. That that is what this book holds for anybody who would be willing to follow the message of God is that there is hope. Ezekiel chapter 13 and verse number 16, he says, He made others to hope. He made others to hope. I wonder in our lives uh, what we have going on, what we're dealing with, what we're struggling with. I wonder if people don't look at us and say, boy, uh, if they can do it, I can do it. If they can go on, I can go on. Do you in your life and the power that Jesus Christ has brought into your heart a cause? Does it make others to hope? Hope is an abiding grace. We know according to 1 Corinthians 13, 13, 
now abide if faith, hope, and charity. The greatest of these is charity, but one of the abiding graces that are to be part of the Christian's life is that hope that we have in God. The word hope appears 130 times in the Word of God in 121 different verses. The definition of hope is a desire of something good accompanied with at least a slight expectation of attaining it. Okay, it's slightly different than that of a wish. You see, a hope has with it the expectation that it's going to come to pass. Hope implies the possibility of possessing it. That is why hope is so powerful. You see, the difference is, you may, uh, some of you young people in here, a uh, little over a month ago, you might have had a wish that you were going to get something for Christmas. But for a while, you were hoping Christmas was going to come. That's the difference. The hope that Christmas was going to come, there was definitely an expectation of that going to happen. That's going to come to pass. Now, whether you got what you wanted for Christmas, we don't, we don't know. But there was maybe a wish you had for something. But a hope has a little bit more substance to it than just a wish. Back in September, 32 teams started the season wishing they were going to make it to the Super Bowl. As the season progressed, uh, well, even on the onset, some of them knew it was just a dream. Some of them felt they had a chance, and as the season progressed, that chance, that, that wish was shattered. Uh, but today, there are four teams competing in the championship, the results of which will determine who gets to go. So those four teams have a pretty strong hope today that they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. There's, there's a reasonable expectation that it's going to come to pass. And here's what I want to give you today. There's some things that you can hope for. First of all, I want you to know that there's hope for your lingering situation. There's hope for your lingering situation. Are you in the middle of something that it's hard to have hope? Are you struggling or dealing with a battle in which you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel? And I tell you, beloved, that it, your happiness and uh, your ability to continue to, to struggle or move forward is not based on not dealing or not having any hardship. Some of the happiest people in the world deal with the greatest amount of heartache. Beloved, it's not that you have never endured trial or went through a storm. It's how much hope do you have. The sad thing is, is the large majority of the world today is living without hope. They're living their days without hope, which is evidenced by the increase in the attempts of people to take their own life. They've reached a point where they say, I just, I can't live anymore, and, and I, don't, I don't understand, I, I can't even comprehend that level of hopelessness. But I know that thousands and thousands of people, even right now, today, have reached that point in their life where they feel there's nothing worth living for. They've lost all hope. Can I tell you, beloved, you cannot continue to live long without hope. Job chapter 7, verse number 6 says, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Beloved, God did not build us or make us to live lives without hope. 
That's why the world struggles so hard to get through their days. That's why it seems that life is so long and so meaningless because they're going day after day after day and have no hope. They have no hope of things getting better, no hope of tomorrow, no hope of eternity. They're just hopeless. Hope, beloved, is saying when I can't see the solution, I can still trust the Savior. There is a way. Romans 8, 24 says, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? He says that hope is, is that exercise of faith. Hope is that anticipation of something that's going to come. Uh, hope is... Here's an example. Um, I hope that I can have a cough drop. But... Why would you hope for one when you already have one? That's what he's saying there. He says that when, when it's already present, there's no reason for you to have hope. It's already here. Christian, we have the possibility of hope because we know the Savior. Yesterday in Grief Share, I spent some time talking about how this is obviously one of the hardest things, the loss of a loved one, and going through that level of grief, but the fact that there is hope, that it will get better. If you're willing to take the steps and work through and try and get to the place, God can give you the strength and it will get better. There is hope of better days. You might not be able to see it right now, but could I encourage you, don't give up hope. There's hope for your lingering situation. There's light at the end of the tunnel. The storm is going to pass. The cloud is going to drift away. I don't know what you're dealing with today. I don't know what cloud may be hanging over your life, but I encourage you and challenge you today to remember there's hope in God. Because we know, beloved, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. What is hope? Hope is Job walking away from ten graves with a broken heart. Sifting through the rubble of his family home that was burned to the ground. Hope is sitting alone in your suffering and having your wife come up and tell you to curse God and die. And then your friends come up and accuse you of sin. But in the midst of all of that, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That is the expression of Job's hope that he knew that regardless of what was happening today, regardless of what storm he was facing today, he didn't understand it. He didn't have the answers why. He didn't, couldn't explain it. But he knew that he had a God that loved him and that was going to care for him and that tomorrow was going to be, be better because of his Savior. Beloved, hope in the future is necessary for you to have power today. 
one night at dinner, a gentleman spent, who had spent many years up in Maine fascinated his companions with a story of a small town called Flagstaff, Maine. He sat with them and described for them how in this town the powers that be had determined that they were going to build a dam uh, downstream. And when the dam was flooded, when it was finally filled up, it was going to cover this town. The town was going to be buried in the water. And he began to describe what happened to the town. Because everybody knew this was the plan. People stopped mowing their lawns. People stopped painting their houses. The city stopped caring for the streets. The, the entire town fell into disarray. Bege- buildings began to look like ramshackled messes because it just all maintenance was stopped. Because everybody knew that, well, why bother? It's just going to be covered with water at some point. When the time comes and we get the words, we're, we're moving out. People started to move away and more and more of the town began to dwindle down. And long before it ever got filled, the town was basically destroyed. Why? Because they lost hope. They said, what's the use? Why bother? Beloved, if we're going to have strength to stand and fight and, and war through the battle of today, we have to have hope of tomorrow. That's what brings strength for today. Beloved, I can't tell you how it's going to work out. I can't give you all the answers. But I just want to tell you that there is hope. You might not see any light or any solution, but there's hope. And songwriters said, sometimes we go through trials that are so hard to bear. We lift our face towards heaven, saying, God, are you really there? I've asked that same question. Yes, I've been down that road. But looking back, I now can see he's always let me know there is hope. So be strong. There is hope. And he knows just what you're going through and what the future holds. Because Jesus lives, there is hope. He goes on, he was bruised for our transgressions. He was nailed upon a tree. He cried out to his father, why have you forsaken me? But through my Savior's suffering, he bought healing to our pain. And the one who raised up from the dead can restore us. All again, there is hope. God has sent me here to tell you, there is hope. And I tell you this morning, there's hope. Whatever lingering situation that you're dealing with, there's hope that God can bring healing, that there can be a change. If we'll follow God's plan and do what God wants us to do, there's hope. Because Jesus is alive today, because he's sitting on the right hand of the Father, and because he is coming again. If you can't hope in anything else, you can hope in the day that we're going to be in glory all together. Even so, Lord, come quickly. The Bible is chocked full of people in hopeless situations. As you ponder and think about it, there's many that may come to your mind. I mean, you think about Israel, their backs up against the Red Sea, and 
nowhere to go and Pharaoh's army coming down on them. And what are we going to do? But God, that hopeless situation was given a solution because of God. There was 5,000 people there sitting uh, and hungry and needing to be fed. And the disciples looked at it as hopeless and said, what can happen here? There's no way we can meet this need. There's no way we can feed all these people. Let's send them away. And God said, no, let's feed them. And they're like, what are we going to feed them with? And God says, have them sit down. I'll take care of that. There's hope, beloved, because we know God, the creator of the world, the savior of your soul. I just want to encourage you, don't lose hope today. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. There's hope for your lingering situation. There's also hope, beloved, for, your, for a losing saint. In Ezra chapter number 10, in verse number 2, he says, One of the sons of Elam answered and said unto Ezra, We've trespassed against our God, and we've taken strange wives of the people of the land. He says, look, we've messed up. We've done wrong. We trespassed against God. We did exactly what God said not to do. Look at what we've done. And then he says, yet now there is hope in Israel. He said, we messed it up, but there's hope in Israel. Beloved, every believer has found him in a place where he's messed it up. He's found himself in a place where he wasn't planning to go or where he didn't intend to be. But I can tell you this morning that sin and self and Satan have a way of drawing us away and pulling us back down that wide path, down like the prodigal of old. And it'll pull us away from God. We're, we're prone to wander. Prone to wander. But there is hope, beloved. No matter how far you've gone from God, from your very first step to the uttermost person here, you can turn back to him now. At any time along that path, if I take one step away from God towards my own pursuit, at any time God could get a hold of my heart and pull me back. And some of you here this morning, you might be right here, you've just barely stepped away. I mean, you, you were really on fire, but you just started to grow cold and just started to drift a little bit. Well, there's hope you can turn back to Him right now. There may be some others that you've gone so far down this path that you're like the prodigal of old and the Bible says that he came to himself lying in the pig slop of this world without any hope of even being accepted back home. But he thought, well, maybe the servants at home, maybe I could go back and just be a servant in my father's house. And he thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to at least try. Can I tell you any moment that you turn back? God says, if you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. The moment you turn towards God, He is there. There's hope for the losing saint, the saint whom Satan has got a hold of, the saint whom your, your self-desire, your own ambitions, you've been drawn away by your own lust and you've pursued down a path that you don't even know how you ended up there, but there's hope today. Draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to you. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 3 says, Every man that hath this hope in him purify himself, even as he is pure. Every man that has this hope purify himself. It's a purifying hope, beloved. You may feel that you can never be clean again.
I'm going to tell on myself. I'm, I'm, you're, half of you are going to lose all respect for your preacher today. When I was about 15 years old, one of my friends in school got a hold of some cigarettes. And uh, I got together with him, and we went out and smoked them. But uh, the problem is, is somebody in the church saw me. So they went and told my dad. Well, I lit up a cigarette, but he lit up something else. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. I can still remember. I really wasn't concerned about the spanking that I got. I remember being so crushed in my spirit that my testimony before the church was destroyed. Here I was, the pastor's son, and everybody in the church knows that I was out smoking somewhere. And I remember thinking in my mind, like, I'm worthless. I've got no testimony. I've got no, I mean, why even go on? I remember sitting in the balcony of our church, whole church is empty and the lights were all off and I was just sitting there bawling. And I was just saying, God, what can you do with me now? Because the weight of what I had done and how I destroyed my, my testimony, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what sin Satan holds over you. You know, he's the accuser of the brother. And Satan comes to you and he says, you can never do anything for God now. You've messed up too bad. You've gone too far down that road. No, nobody's ever going to think you could do anything for Jesus. You might as well just quit. Can I tell you there's hope? There's hope. God, you can turn back to him at any time and he'll take any one of us and restore unto you the joy of your salvation. Victory starts by confessing and forsaking that sin, by letting that purify you and make you clean again. Nobody's ever fallen so far that they could not rise up again with the power of God and his forgiveness. In Zechariah chapter 3 and verses 2 through 4, he describes there the power of Satan. He says, And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord hath chosen Jerusalem and rebuke thee. Is it not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed in filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he said, and he spake unto them that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And he said, Behold, I have cleansed thine iniquity to pass from thee. And I will clothe thee with the change of raiment. Can I tell you that God will take that dirty, filthy garment, he'll take it away, and he'll clothe you in his righteousness. Yes, he will. Satan is ready to accuse you vehemently, but God is ready to cleanse you completely. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us this victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lastly, as we look at this verse in a very straightforward, practical sense, we just see the idea of hope deferred, make it the heart sick. And, and 
I've always looked at that just kind of very straight and, and just thought, well, that idea is attaining and getting what it is you hope for. And if, if you don't get that, you're disappointed. And, and that is true. But in, when you tie it to the context of it, what is, what is the hope it's talking about? He describes it there and says, it is the tree of life. Can I tell you there's hope for the lost sinner today? The tree of life. There is hope. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 12 says that at that time ye were without Christ. He's describing the Gentile nations. And he's saying there was a time where you didn't know Jesus. And he says, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. He says, so you, you were without Jesus, and you weren't part of the children of Israel. You weren't part of this chosen nation of God. You were strangers from the covenant and the promise. So those that were made aware of the fact that God had made a promise with the children of Israel, the Gentiles were saying, well, we're not part of that promise. We're not part of those people, and we don't know God. What can we do? He says, having hope. Having hope even without God. He says, there's hope. Why? Because Jesus came. And although you weren't part of the promise, although you weren't part of the covenant with Israel, and although you didn't know God, here is hope, Jesus Christ. There's hope for the lost sinner. The Bible says, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Beloved, hope comes at the moment of salvation. The day that you put your faith and trust in Christ. Not in the practicing of religion. Well, you talk about something hopeless. The practicing of religion is hopeless. Consider and think about how, how meaningless. Self-righteousness is no righteousness at all. Beloved, hope comes in salvation. You may this morning be able to tell me how to be saved. You may be able to quote for me the Romans road and describe for me how Nicodemus came to Christ and how you can be religious but lost. You may be able to uh, theologically explain it all, but can I tell you that if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in Him alone, you personally have acknowledged your sin and called on the Savior to forgive you, then you're lost today. It's not about what you know up here. It's about when you've applied the shed blood of Jesus Christ to your own sin and had it covered. But there's hope today because you're not dead. As long as you're still breathing, you can still have a chance and an opportunity to put your faith and trust in Him. The reason we don't sorrow as those that have no hope is because we have Jesus. Even in death, we have hope because we're going to see, see our loved ones again. Why? Because God has said so. The glory of the mystery of Jesus Christ is that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's hope for you today. One pastor was describing and telling about a visit that he had to a dear young lady whom cancer was taking on to glory. He was in the hospital and 
He had the privilege of leading her to the Lord about a year earlier. He was sitting in the hospital next to her and just wanting to confirm and make sure she understood and that she knew she was on her way to heaven. The pastor looked and, listen, don't get irritated at the man of God if he comes to you and says, hey, tell me about what you're hoping in. He just wants to know for sure that there's no question or any doubt and that you've got it settled and you're on your way to heaven. If that offends you, I think the problem is is you're not saved. Because if you're on your way to heaven, there's no doubt where your hope is. And you're excited about sharing it with others. And it's the job of the man of God. He's called of God and, and he's a sorry preacher if he's going to sit by the bedside of a dying person and not confirm that they're on their way to heaven. If he's going to talk about the weather or a football game or the current doctor's prognosis and not mention Jesus Christ and how to know how you're on your way to heaven, he's not a very good preacher. This preacher sat next to this dear young lady, which he had personally led to the Lord about a year before, and he says, uh, tell me, what, what's your hope in? And her frail little hands, he said, they were so thin you almost could see through them. He said, with that frail little hand, she reached up and she touched my Bible. And she said, Jesus, in there. And then she took her hand and she moved it over to her heart. And she said, Jesus, in here. And then she turned her hand headward. She said, in Jesus, up there. Her hope was in the right place. It was all in Jesus. And I tell you this morning, if your hope's not in Jesus, you're hoping in the wrong thing. But there is hope for you. You can come to him today before it's too late, before you take your last breath. Yes, Christian, we're dealers in hope. The hope of Jesus Christ. And there is hope for your lingering situation, whatever you're going through. Dear saint of God, there's hope. If you've drifted far away from God, you're losing the battle spiritually, there's hope you can turn back to him today. And if you're lost and on your way to hell right now, there's hope because Jesus gave himself for you and he wants you to put your hope in him and him alone.